It's really warm today. We've chosen a really hot day to record this. I know, we? and there's really small room just to make sure to try and get it. So, uh, yes. So we're going to be, at least we're going to be, actually, yeah, we're going to probably lose a little, quite a lot of weight. <laughs> People might not even <laughs> recognise me when I leave later today. Been to the gym. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sat in a tiny room in Paul's house. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Okay, you okay. first. All right. Welcome to the second uh, episode of Paul and Sarah do do social work. Thank you for listening. If you listened to the first one, welcome. If you haven't listened uh, before, to Sarah and Paul's do do social work. Do do social still, work. I still need to work out that how we say that a little bit. I think uh, it, I, I think it will I think it will catch on. It'll be fine. It'll work. We're just going to run through the second bit of the kind of care review. Uh, we're going to recap on what we talked about last time. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the forward and we're going to talk about the main body of the review. So looking at what the main points were from the review, uh, which we'll discuss in more detail next time. And then we'll stop. Don't worry. We'll stop talking about the review. Let me introduce Sarah. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Thanks, Paul. I'm Sarah and I'm a social worker currently working in the domestic abuse field um, and I work across Sussex. Great. And I'm uh, Dr. Paul Shuffler. Of course you are. <laughs> but you don't have to call me doctor, obviously. I am currently unemployed um, and I worked in kinship care and I'm, I do some work for Sussex and looking into getting jobs either in research or in lectureship or anything that, or anyone that will have me. Sorry, is this a podcast or a club? <laughs> uh, well, let's start with Sarah and Paul's doo doos. Okay. Okay. Right. So, would you like to start? What What would you like to do do more of? Um, I hope it doesn't have to be work focused. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> This week, I had a really beautiful evening sea swim when it was the full moon. And wild swimming. <clears throat> it wasn't that wild. Well, that's what they call it, though. It's just swimming, isn't it? It's swimming in the sea in the, in the evening. The full moon it's was rising. Yes. It was really glorious, and I haven't been in the sea for for such a long time. And I was feeling really tired, and I just kind of was quite easily going to not do it. And I went down, had a beautiful swim in the sea. And as soon as you get into that water, it just kind of re-energizes you, but in really kind of what feels like a real nurturing kind of nature way. And wild. in a wild, <laughs> in a not very wild, but it was just really, really gorgeous evening. And that's what I'd like to do more of, which yeah. is going, actually, I'm going to take time out yeah. to just spend an hour, maybe once a week. Because I did tell myself, this is so nice, I'm going to do it every day, which was yeah. completely unrealistic. But at least once a week, go down and just spend an evening by the beach. I think it's can. such a shame because we live we live in Brighton. So close. We live so close to the sea. Yeah. We, we, we can't pay to live so close to the sea. Yeah. And it's something so magical, yeah. I think, and that it's free and you can just go and enjoy it. Which, and yeah. it's part of me that what I want to do, do more of is um, make the most of the sea. Oh, that's beautiful. That's oh, nice. Thanks. Paul, what has been your do-do this week? It's really simple, actually. I've been seeing lots more people, lots more friends, and I think that's just so nice. I think after we've come out of the, the pandemic, well, not out of it, but after we've come out of lockdowns, for mm-hmm. example, I'm just really enjoying seeing people and interacting with people face-to-face. Isn't that great? I think we forgot how great that is. Well, I have. Um, so it's been really, really good. Really nice. Oh, so, sorry, who are you? What have you, what have you done with Paul Shuttleworth? <laughs> What? That's really nice. Tell me about your poo-poo. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think my poo-poo last week was a bit controversial, wasn't it? But 
And this one may well be as well, but I guess that's the point of mm-hmm. a of a poo-poo. <laughs> I mean, we've got to think of another word for that, honestly. Mine is family outings to the supermarket. Oh, really? Why? Have you not ever been in the supermarket when you're just going in with your basket to pick up a few bits? Yeah, that's good. Which is what I quite yes. like to do. Yeah. In and out as quickly as I can. Yeah. And this is, you know, I work with families. I love families. Yeah. I think they're great. Some of my friends will know that I might even be talking about them because I bumped into them them in the supermarket with their partners and their children. No one's happy. Everyone's miserable. They're all going in and uh, kind of just blocking up, getting in the way a bit, not having a nice time, just being a bit stressed. And I think, I wonder why people don't go to the supermarket like me a bit more often, going on your own. Do you talk to people when you're at the supermarket? It depends Depends what kind of day I've had. Would you stop and go, hi, how are you doing? Oh, what, if oh, I so, know them, yeah. it would just mean general chit-chat. So <laughs> I, can do, I, can do, I can do that too. Yeah, if I know somebody. Yeah. Although the fa- when we were wearing face masks, that was quite helpful because sometimes you don't always want to stop and talk to people. Very true. And the face mask thing was quite helpful in avoiding those yeah. situations. Yeah. What I would like to start doing uh, is... Let's have a recap on what we talked about last time. A brief one. Really brief. Would you like to... This is a test for you. Sorry about that. This okay. is a test for you. What did we talk about last time? What was kind of the main things that came up for you? Um, well, it was good to begin to hear the kind of overview, really, of the care review and for you to introduce it to me because I hadn't engaged with it much. I mean, it's kind of been out for, what, a few weeks now, hasn't it? Mm. So, yeah, mm. it hadn't been something that was uh, that I've, I've had time to, to look into. So that was helpful. I know that we talked around... You know, was Josh McAllister the right person to to take on this really important piece of work? I think we agreed absolutely a review is needed. No one's disputing that. But was was he the right person with the right experience? Was was it was the report written from a kind of really independent, objective place? Was there some kind of political agenda behind it as well? And of course, chances are it's very likely there are because well, we're all working within a political field or, and yes and uh kind of get pushed and pulled according to what the political agendas are we can't just say that we take things out out of the political fields can we because politics surrounds everything that we do it yeah. surrounds all the work we do from whether it's going and helping a family by taking to a food bank that that's a political statement yes. within itself it may yeah. not seem like one so by anyone um, from whatever level they are in terms of social work by saying, no, 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 this is not political, that's a lie. Yeah. Social work will always pl- be political, no matter what level you have it. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, that's what we looked at, didn't we? And also we talked around, um, I just remember coming away kind of really thinking about the front line, as you said, was it the kind of brightest and the best social workers? Yeah, and us being social the workers, dullest and the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I came away with. And as I said, I had more questions. I kind of wanted to know what was kind of identified within this review that hasn't, that isn't already known about Mm -hmm. social work in the way that the kind of care system in which we're operating. So what, what's come out of it that's, that's new for us. And I'm also just really curious to think about what the next steps are. And I have done, I've been doing a little bit of reading into it as well myself. Yeah. And uh, I've got some, some, some points to make later. Excellent. Well, I just want to talk about some of the case change responses. There's uh, a website called the Care Review Watch Alliance, um, and they're quite big on Twitter. And it's a collective of practitioners and academics and people that were kind of concerned a little bit about the review, not a little bit, were concerned about the review. Yes. And they brought together some really, really nice resources. So they 
brought together all the responses from the interim report, the case for change report, and that's all up on the website to be looked at. Because the things that some of the things that were highlighted, also things like Article Thirty Nine. Do you know who they are? No. So Article Thirty Nine um, is a children's rights um, charity. It's a really small charity, mm-hmm. and they took the government to court over this whole idea that children between the ages of sixteen and eighteen should get. A different type of care um, that doesn't need to be within their within where they live it can be a different type of care to those that are under sixteen. So the government was pushing for that, and the Article Thirty Nine was saying, "Hang a minute, hang on a minute, you this should is wrong. You, yeah. There should be care up until the age of eighteen. Yes, and there's some uh, some really really um, interesting, not interesting, harrowing actually, kind of stories about sixteen year olds being left in bed and breakfasts with people that are known to the police. Um, to kind of fend for themselves, okay. you know, vulnerable yes. young women yeah. being left, very little money, very little support. Um, and uh, Reca- Rebecca Pierre has written an amazing article for a journal, but also some articles for The Guardian about it. So if I just Googled Rebecca Pierre yeah, articles, yeah. that would come up and I'd yeah, be able to yeah. access that. I mean, it's okay. harrowing, honestly. Mm. The case of change report didn't really make any comment on that, except actually, don't worry, because we're going to get some somewhere down the line. We're going to get some um, some different ways of monitoring, making sure different regulations to make sure that they still receive some type of care. Mm. And that was used in the court when Article 39 took the government to court. And that was used. The case for change was used to say, it's all fine, don't worry about it, everything's be okay. Okay. So the implications of the independent review are already happening. It's already been used within the court processes. It's already been used within government to say, actually, this is okay and this isn't okay. Right. So Article 39, they focused on children's rights. Now, if you look at the independent review, it doesn't mention children's rights. There is actually a misquote. Okay. In terms of children's rights. Now, children's rights is really important to be at the centre of the work that we do. Yes. We're a human rights-based profession. We're also a children's rights-based profession if we're working for children. Mm -hmm. And that is the right to be cared for, but also, and this is really important, to be protected. That's why we have regulations. That's why we make sure that, that we can do some pretty difficult stuff to families. Let's not beat around the bush here. You know, mm. taking children away from their families mm. because we're worried about their protection and care. Of course, and I'm just going to pause there, though, to clarify, because last week we did also talk about the power of social workers, and actually we don't have the power to remove children from family no, terms, but we do true. have the power to be able to ro- make an application to the court and say, yes. please, can you agree with our care yeah. plan to remove these children? Yeah. And you're right, with the kind of the intervention of the powers available to us yeah. are, are huge, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. And it is based on children's rights. So it was just really strange that in the report there was nothing about it. The other strange thing that was missing from the report was there's no mention of austerity. Right. If you actually do a word search in the case of change, it's not there. If you do a word search in the final report, austerity isn't mentioned. Okay. I'm, I feel quite challenged by that, particularly because austerity, people are experiencing it's, it's real, it's live, it's been around for a long time, particularly given, you know, I know with like the report, there's a lot of work has gone into it up until this very point where people are experiencing higher food and fuel prices. Cost of living prices. Quite, yeah, exactly. But the fact that we're not thinking about the impact of austerity and how that interplays within families experiencing harm and uh, kind of generational impact is a bit, it sounds a bit wild for me to say this, but it almost feels a bit gaslighty. Yeah. Like, why are we not naming something that's really live for 
so many of the families that we work with. Yeah, and I think that uh, so Josh kind of names it, but he and he doesn't, but he says you know we shouldn't be blaming any government because no government has got it right, and so that brings into question again around his independence, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because if he's not prepared to name that thing that we know has a huge impact on families that we work with, yeah. and on the services that we can provide, and on the resources, yeah, then it feels a little bit like you haven't quite nailed it. And if you're not blaming government, that's fine, but it it seems that you have actually blamed social workers, and I can give you some examples within the report or where he's actually said some stuff about social workers. Do you want me to give you a couple of things? Okay, yes, if you want to. Okay, so here here it is. Would you like to just ignore the pictures of me at the beach? Oh, and along the bottom there? Yeah. So here goes. So is this what Josh McCullough... This is... In the case for change, yeah. Let's come out of the case for change. Decision-making and risk assessment are too often underpinned by lack of knowledge. Okay. There is more to do to recruit, retain and support social care staff, including a high-quality social work workforce. Mm -hmm. We need to build a system that provides social workers with the skills, knowledge and support to make these difficult decisions with confidence. The quality and variation of decision-making across the system requires attention. Social workers have not acquired the knowledge to properly identify and assess risk. We need to ask how we expect social workers to be confident in assessing and comfortable holding risk if they do not have the knowledge to do so. Okay. So what do you think about those types of things? What, how's, um, how's that make you feel? Let's go with how it makes you feel. Oh, probably a bit defensive, Okay. if I'm really honest. Yeah. Initially quite defensive because, as you said, it's kind of this really holding social workers to account. And that, yes, social workers should be accountable for the work they, that they do. But that accountability also sits within a, a social work system it's in itself in terms yeah. of management structure and reflective practice critical practice etc and i don't disagree with all of these statements if i'm honest paul mm-hmm. i think you're right you know that sometimes um kind of newly qualified social workers are expected to go out and do assess risk when mm. actually a more quali- a more experienced social worker would be able to assess that risk of that family more accurately yeah um so I'm not denying that, that that that's the case, but to kind of say that's a social worker's fault for that happening yeah. is kind of what I feel like a bit protective over, over yeah. social workers. And just to say, this is a, these are taken out of context. We have to remember that. So they might sound quite shocking, but actually they are taken out of context in a bigger explanation. But And that social workers have not acquired the knowledge to properly identify and assess mm-hmm. risk. And that, for me, is that classic damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if we do identify risk, then... The, the issues what then arises of how we then intervene with the family come under scrutiny yeah. even if we've identified risk and I think maybe last week you spoke around you know going through the court process and actually social workers may be saying I've identified this risk but if the court doesn't recognise that as, as that being a necessary risk then then things don't necessarily change and children can, can still be left vulnerable to harm. I mean, that's just my initial thinking. I don't know how long you want to kind of spend thinking no, about No, 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 I statements. think that's good. I think that's good and I think, I think that's the, di- the difficulty is that as soon as we because when I was reading through the report, those things kind of s- struck out at me. Mm. And then I got defensive. Yes. Now, it doesn't matter if actually there is lots of truth in what he says. It's some, sometimes it's the way that people say it. it. When it's there, it's, oh, no, no, no. It's really, really difficult. And I just think there needs to be a better way of framing these things sometimes. OK, better way of framing things. But also just to acknowledge, you know, when... 
practiced, you know, in practice as social workers, we also know about the statement of defensive social work practice. And actually, as a social worker, we also have to be receptive to receiving feedback yeah. and doing things differently, which I think, you know, I can speak for you and I, I think that we, we, we are able to do that yeah. and I can't speak for everybody. So it is also being mindful that as social workers, we're not getting defensive about our practice, which then can limit us learning and developing knowledge. So it is kind of accepting, yes, we've all got stuff to learn, yeah. but hey, it's also about the system which, which we're working in because actually we could be highly uh, experienced and knowledgeable yeah which we are so it's both and rather than either or and I think what happened was because if you put that in the context of let's not talk about austerity let's not uh, blame the government or government policies because no government so it is about the context so when you have those statements there Mm -hmm. but there's other pieces missing that's the bit that makes me start getting a little bit defensive because it's like no you're right no you're right but wait but 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 it's it's the but But, thing isn't it Okay. And the last thing just to say about uh, the uh, independent review was that they said that Josh McAllister was saying that it's about time that we'd start discussing the knotty topics. So the knotty topics of... And the knotty topics... Knotty topics being... Is there there a section called knotty topics? (laughs) No. Why not? I want to know what they are. Maybe we should do a section called... (laughs) I'm making a note of that. For a podcast, watch this space. Knotty topics. Is Sarah's knotty topics? (laughs) Yeah. Listen at your peril. (laughs) I therefore... What he says is, I therefore expect that this document will open up debate. Good. That's the point. We for have for too long avoided knotty topics that deserve our attention. Right. Right. Uh, children and families rarely characterise these issues as complex or difficult. They describe them as straightforward, if painful experiences. So the idea is that actually, as social workers, we don't think about the knotty topics. I, I, I disagree with that hugely. And I think as social workers, we do think about the knotty, knotty topics, topics. Um, so much so but actually this the, the, the kind of process if we're being pro when we're process led that doesn't necessarily allow for knotty topics correct as social workers doing that individual family work the bits that don't always get recorded but those conversations that you're having with families in their homes that are really challenging really sensitive um you're really having an impact on other people's lives mm. that is and I hate to keep using this term, but that is the knotty topic yes. bit of the work. Yes. And yet, be, maybe because uh, potentially, if you haven't had that experience of doing that bit of the work, you would think that social workers don't do the knotty topic bit of the work, but they do. But it's potentially, the, the system doesn't then allow it. I don't know. But it, this, this actually makes my blood boil. Okay. Because if we look at journals, social work journals, yes. if we look at articles, if we look at the day-to-day work we do, if you go to a conference, if you go to training, it's all about those knotty topics. So if you want to know about it, if you how dare you say that we avoid that? Well, that's Because what I... come along, come along to a conference, won't you go and read the British Journal of Social Work or whatever it is, yes. rather than just say, oh, you, you guys, you just avoid it all the time. No, we don't. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah. And in terms of knotty topics, then thinking about the impact of domestic abuse, the, com- the complex nature of relationships, the generational harm, the emotional harm of children, the you know child sexual abuse. We're talking about those very life issues on a daily basis. And if that's not the knotty topics, then what are? Yeah. 
Yeah. We're going to now just go on to looking at the forwards and do just a general summary of the main points that came out of the main final report. And next time we'll write positives and negatives and we'll compare them. And when did that come out? About three weeks ago, was it? So it came out at the end of... um, So it came out at the end of May. I was looking at the response to the report and the review. Yes. And I was employed by Basworth to work up up until the end of May to do that. Unfortunately, the review came out a week before. Oh, so was it? It came out later than scheduled. It had been delayed. It had been delayed. So you were employed possibly. to kind of do yeah. to to do the response, but yeah. then actually, okay. It was a little frustrating because I really wanted to get my teeth into it and get and understand the response, collate kind of different responses from it. But yes. Hey, these things happen. Life just works out like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. So this is um, a section from the foreword that I'm going to read out. Yeah, which... and it's all about. Reset, which has been the main kind of driver of thing. We need a massive reset. Okay. We will require a radical reset of our children's social care system. This starts with a new approach to the help we offer families raising children in tough circumstances, offering families responsive, skilled and intensive support. Great. It means a more decisive and focused child protection response led by those with the greatest expertise because a minority of parents cannot change quickly enough or may seriously harm or fail to protect their children. When care is needed, it means providing loving relationships and homes that are healing. It means nurturing the foundations for a good life for the care experience community, to be loved, excel in education, have a good home, have purposeful work, and to be healthy. So, you know my problems with love. I discussed it beforehand. Okay. Not love in general, I'm for that, just to say that. Yeah. But just how we measure love. Yes. Um, so that that's what came up for me. Was it, what kind of comes up for you, just from that? I I agree with we need to be offering families uh, responsive, skilled, and intensive support. Yeah. But we need the resources to be able to do that. So I would say all social workers would be on board with that statement. Yeah. But actually, where are the systems in place to do that? And I know that there's been kind of offerings of potentially lots of money to doing that. But yeah. the reality is. What does that look like? They offered two billion. I think it's over the next five years. But again, how that's spent, again, it needs to be under scrutiny that it's going to be spent and that people are not going to be profiting off and this And is money. it enough, is the other thing. That's what we need to know. Um, it says it needs a more decisive, focused child protection response led by those with the greatest expertise. Okay, so we, we, we understand why you need expertise in terms of that child protection response. Absolutely. Um, and we know that the child protection process can work and protect children from further harm. And that, unfortunately and sadly, has not always been the case. And, mm. I, you know, I do want to acknowledge that. However, what I like also is it does mean it talks about uh, unlocking the potential of wider family networks to care for children. Okay. So, Paul, you know, you and I met when we worked in the kinship care team together. We did. And it was a really important um, kind of team for us and, yeah. and the work. And, you know, I hold that work um, so strongly in terms of that values of children should remain within their family networks. Yeah. And, and, and who, who is going to disagree with that statement? What we also know is... I would. It's complicating. Yeah. It's complicated. Yes. Um, and so I think unlocking the potential of wider family networks is sounds like a great statement. But yeah. until you've, been, you've done that work, you understand actually how difficult it is for families yeah. to, to care for children in those situations. Yes. You've done a lot of work with this. Yes, especially impoverished families. And that's what we're talking about. You know, communities are getting... Uh, having to deal with the cost of living crisis, with the impact of things like austerity, all these things that I'm actually daring to mention, 
that we should be mentioning. So to say, actually, we'll just put it back onto these impoverished families who are working really, really hard to look after themselves, let alone extended family, let alone neighbours, because there's kind of talking about kind of neighbours there as well. And, you know, going around and baking your neighbour a pie is kind of that's kind of, you know, Josh has kind of talked about taking um, uh, taking neighbours, taking the child to cinema and all of this kind of stuff, which is highly problematic. Yes. Um, but it's this whole, whole idea, it's almost like a big society too. Do you know about, you know, the big Cameron's big society? Yes, yeah. You know, this idea that actually we need less state involvement. There is no such thing as society. Yeah. Actually, what we should be doing is communities should be looking after each other and there should be less state involvement. So I guess on a kind of surface level, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that statement, Paul. I just, what mm. I'm saying is if you unpick it... Mm. Um, then the complexities behind it, mm. those naughty topics are not being taken <laughs> into consideration <laughs> when topics. we're saying, let's unlock the potential of wider family networks. Sorry, what does Josh think we've all been doing in social work? That Because I, it also made me think in terms of all the family group conference work we do, in terms of going, actually, how can we support these families with their wider families? I believe that work's happening. I know later on the report he refers to support that needs to be in place for kinship carers, and I yep. agree with that. Everyone should. As we know, yep. uh, I kind of feel very strongly that yep. Brighton and Hover have been championing that work yep. for years yeah. and um, and actually that needs to be replicated nationally. And Family Rights Group and yes. Kinship and all of these very, Plus. all of these really important organisations saying actually they need to be better supported financially and practically. We n- Absolutely, absolutely. But this idea that actually there's an untapped resource out there. That we haven't already looked at. And I'm, I'm not quite, um, I think that's kind of right. I think maybe actually some local authorities need to be better at that yes but i just don't think as a silver bullet type thing we should just be saying there needs to be less state involvement and communities should be just mm. should be helping each other i think that's that's unrealistic and it's and it's and it's not fair actually what, what it also doesn't address and i guess this is again just the foreword but um when we're thinking about family networks of course we know it's really important to keep children within their families but what it also doesn't necessarily consider is the generational impact and harm that we ex- when we're working with families we see that and unless families are able to access that support recognize the impact that generational harm may have had on them mm. develop their protective skills actually when we're talking about kind of uh, wider family networks what we know for some children that we work with those wider family networks unfortunately and sadly there's people, adults, that pose a risk to children yeah. within those networks. And so that's the other, the, the tricky balance here, that that's not yeah. always the straightforward answer either. However, Could, I do accept, sorry, Paul, yeah. but I do accept, you know, you're, he's right. We need to be nurturing the right foundations for the care experience community. We need to be doing things better. Yeah. And I think that whole idea of risk um, and there's there's something coming out uh, in the British Journal of Social Work um, by this person, it's a really, really great article um, by this person called, I think it's Dr. Paul Shuttleworth. Oh, wow. Tell us more. <laughs> Not sure I've heard of him, you, actually. Uh, let's put high five. Oh, is this? Yeah, because it just got accepted. Yeah, but it talks about, okay, okay it's, it talks about kinship care and it talks about actual risk. Because as soon as I start talking about risk and kinship care, what I normally get is people going, no, 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 we don't start from there. But actually, when you talk to children, mm. 
guess what they say is really important to them? To feel safe. Yes. They talk about risk. They talk about that being part of their lives. Yes. So for us to go, no, 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 let's, that's a bit too... First of all, it's not realistic. And secondly, it's not reflecting actually what these children want. Mm -hmm. So let's actually have those nuanced conversations about risk. I would even argue that we have those nuanced conversations about risk starting from the children's points of view. Mm. That might be a bit too far for some people. We should be talking about risk. So rather than just saying, yeah, it's all about communities, that's great. But let's talk about risk within those communities. Let's talk about resources. Exactly. Yes. And who's best to do that? Because I'm not sure that communities are best to do that in terms of themselves. Not always. Always. Yeah. Exactly. This is another little bit that adds to what we were just talking about in terms of communities and citizens helping each other. I'll read this then. At the heart of the review's vision is the idea that all of us, citizens, through to the government and businesses, are part of the solution. The public response to the pandemic, and more recently when 200,000 people came forward to offer their homes to strangers fleeing war in Ukraine, demonstrates the best of this country. Government cannot provide love and relationships as a service, but it can take the lead in creating the environment for families, communities, public services and businesses to step forward and do much more for care experienced people. We all have a part to play and it starts with love. I hope this review leads to more people becoming mentors, supportive neighbours, foster carers, adopters, kinship carers and employers of care experienced people. Do you think it's kind of trying to lure people in with kind of some heartstrings around love like um, as you that's kind of how I'm it's a real kind of as you said it's a real uh, not generic word but it just what's the interpretation of love you know yeah. we could do a whole 12 series podcast on that alone so I yeah. just think um, it's just skimming the surface again it's really skimming the surface it and is the forward so maybe that's what it's meant to do is kind yes of and it is a very long document what do you think about so you, he's talked about love is there any other points out of that that, that stand out for you yeah so um so we're using the so the pandemic and uh, uh, people offering their homes to strangers fleeing free, fleeing the war in Ukraine. What has happened is he has also talked about teachers. If one percent of all teachers, yeah, um, put themselves forward as foster carers, then we would get. I can't remember what he says. How many would get? But we get loads. It would help solve the to help solve the foster care crisis that we have. But he's not looking at the teachers' crisis that we've got, <laughs> where the teachers are working seven days a week. Yeah, but to... all, it's just 1%. And, yeah. they did, and, then, and then he did a poll, or he got someone to do a poll, or he jumped on a poll of uh, some teacher app, and it said that um, a certain amount, I think it was like 35% of people, Yes. And teachers would say that they would take into a child, depending on what child. Yes, of course. 18% of course. 18% said, oh yes, definitely. And this is just an analogy. Not the child that's the one that's really struggling and is problematic <laughs> in their classroom. No, no, not no, no, that no. child. No, 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 not that one. Not the, no, not the, not the one that's, that probably um, has the most kind of, in terms of... Need. N- need. No, not that one. And it was just, again, it is putting that thing on... To, and so that's kind of a basis for it. And it, it again, as a researcher with my research mind on it, we should not be using polls like that that have been on an app. Especially if I ring you up and say, hi, I'm just doing a little poll. Yeah. Um, I'd like to know if you'd like to... Um, you don't have to take... Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not asking you it's to take... It's not really going to happen. Yeah. But um, would you... If, if a child was in need, would you take them into your house? And you'd be going, I'm just making lunch at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, 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 whatever. Of course I would. <laughs> of course I would. Yeah. If someone needs my help, I'll be there. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's just not great. Well, it's not um, a reliable source of research, is it? No, no. So the other little bit, so that's Josh's foreword. Yeah. The other foreword bit was from um, those that had dedicated a lot of their time. So it's from the Experts by Experience group. Now, I will never deny that they were a really important part. We talked about actually who takes part in those Experts by Experience groups, so people with care experience. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, uh, these people are crucial to shaping what Absolutely. needs to happen next. That's a big part of the work that I do at the moment is, yes. in, is ensuring that we've got participation of people with lived experience of, uh, yeah. of these such things, Experts by Experience. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, was, I'm interested to hear. But it was just about how they were selected. I was worried about oh, yes. that and all of this kind of stuff. Do they represent? And, and they actually address that in their kind of forward. So this is what they kind of talk about here. Okay. So I'm just going to read a really short bit from this then, Paul. We wondered how meaningful our involvement was. Were we there as a smokescreen? Question mark. To give credibility to a process that had already decided what it was going to do. So I think that's great because they're thinking, they're reflecting on it, they're thinking about who they are. They're who challenging, they but they're also challenging, yeah. saying, hang on a minute, we're here, but are you really listening to us? Or have you just got us in because we've now covered a tick box? Yeah. W- what is this about? And I think that's they're good, they're able to provide that challenge i'd be interested to know what the response is to that challenge yes exactly and i think there (laughs) becomes the problem because i'm not sure there's there's transparency so the next bit they talk about is here we made sure the review team had access to the wide range of care experienced individuals and groups we had contact with Okay, and then the bit afterwards. We saw them shift their thinking on some key issues and we and knew we were being listened to. Okay. That's already good. Now, let's break that down because what I need to know is what those sticky, those knotty topics were that shifted the thinking. I also need to know is that they weren't privileging certain groups in terms of getting their experiences. Mm. Because we have to be really careful about selection, what we call selection bias. Mm. Making sure that the people that we speak to are representative so that we can make kind of massive kind of inferences, generalizations Mm. from that group about things. Um, And that's what I've really worried about in terms of this review, because they went to certain people, they went to certain networks, they did a snowball in terms of we know this person who knows that person. And all of these people were on board with the review. When we come to dissenters, such as the Care Review Watch Alliance, people in that, they get described as either children's rights purists, quote, unquote. Right. Um, or they get described as disgruntled academics. Right. So this is stuff that's been said about people that have challenged. So it's only some people that challenge in certain ways that have a certain viewpoint of the review. Yes. That get heard. <clears throat> We looked at the foreword. Yeah, to give you a fla- to give us a flavour. Yes. I think we've got enough background, enough flavour of the. Absolutely, you know, yeah. I'm really now looking for kind of, you know, where, where, what, what, what. Yeah. what... You want the meat. Well, I was going to say that, and I was really trying to avoid saying <laughs> that saying. <laughs> why? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I do know why. You're Let's vegetarian. Not... <laughs> I should be. Um, basically. I think, yeah, what are we going to talk about now? Because I know it's near the end of... We're running out, you know... We're running out of time. We're running out of time. It tends to gabble on. Aren't we all? Yeah. Um, but basically, we're going to finish up today's session and then next week is our last kind yeah. of round-up of it all. So yeah, we have to pack things in. Okay. We have to get better at focusing. Focusing, focusing. 
bike. Now I'm going to just give you, actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a brief overview of the key points yes. that we're going to be discussing next, next week. Okay. So keep these in mind. You can comment a little bit. I'll let you comment. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. You know, who was talking about misogynistic behaviour earlier? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're friends. Uh, you're going to give us a brief overview of the key points and we're going to explore them a bit more in our last session on the care review next time. The main thing that they talk about in terms of the review is the reset. We talked about this, the reset of children's social care. And the problem is, they've highlighted problem and it's a failure to recognise relationships and the strength of families. And so the principles, the approach to the review, we're thinking about reforms that need to be successful. So there needs to be kind of clear objectives from the national government on children's social care. Can I give you another little, I'm going back to background again, just to let you know, one of the reasons why Josh McAllister says that we need to have this process really, really quickly is because the, he said on a podcast, Adoption and Fostering podcast, um, that what needs to happen is that this, this needs to be pushed through government really, really quickly. And at the moment, <coughs> the government, the Tory government has a majority. Mm. So there will no, no... I find that a little bit... I'm not quite sure about that. What, pushing through quickly? In other words, let's just get because this done. There, because there's a majority. So there won't be... I think we... You know, the whole point of our government system, democratic government system, is that there has to be good opposition and all of this kind of stuff. So by saying it's fine because there's a majority, so get pushed through really, really quickly. Okay. I find a little bit... I'm not quite sure. So there needs to be clear objectives... A system that works to meet children and families' needs rather than making them fit the system. Right. Good. Greater transparency, new mechanisms for learning, better inspection, intervention, highly skilled and knowledgeable workforce. So there has to be a revolution in family health. This is the first chapter they talk about. And it's almost like saying, right, we need to start thinking about how we have family help. So in terms of family help centres... Maybe a little bit like short stuff. Well, that's what I so, say. So this is some of the stuff I was reading, and it's that uh, we've been in social work long enough to see to see the the cycle come re come back around. Which is yeah. right. We'll get rid of all that early intervention stuff because yeah. it's not uh, meeting the st- the statistics that we need. And does where where's the evidence that it really makes change? Yeah. Well, we know that when you're working in the communities, the people will tell you, the families will tell you, it makes a, it yeah. makes difference. To so them. we're back onto that. Good. So we've kind of come, come back round, which, yeah. okay, I'm not disagreeing but with that. But it's the cycles that you kind of disagree yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, consistent, transparent and non-stigmatising support. Um, delivery of family help, investment and reform. So investing roughly 2.6 billion over four years. Now, that's not a lot. Not a lot when we think about cost of living crisis, austerity, how, mm. we, how services have been cut. So looking at um, different ways, that, again, it's back to family help, early intervention, all of these things, which we know are, are work. We're not, we're not saying, however, that it's not problematic sometimes, especially if we're saying early help should be going to communities and teachers and all of this kind of stuff. Well, and also, um, it doesn't... Early help's really important, but it doesn't solve everything for all families that are at high risk of harm or those really high... Funny you should say thank you for, for, for loading that, pre-loading that. The next bit is about a just and decisive child protection system. So looking at better ways to improve multi-agency, uh-huh. uh, tackling extra familial harms, yep. information sharing, the role of courts, parental engagement and child protection, okay. making sure that parents have more of a voice. Again, me and my blooming research. It's uh, about children's voices in there as well. Yes, which is kind of missing here. As you said, the key kind of the key bit around children's rights is kind of really missing yeah. in the thread here. Unlocking the potential of family networks. 
So okay. this is around kinship care. Yes. Mainly. And um, we'll talk about that. We know lots about that. So that's great. I we feel can... quite excited about that. I know, we do. I'm yeah. picking that some more. Uh, transforming care. So setting out new care standards. So again, that's talking about things such as do children over the, between the ages of 16 and 18 deserve the same kind of care that children under the age of 16 get? Is deserve, and is you, are you using the word deserve in a bit of a kind of inflammatory way? Of course I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Because children's needs as they get older through adolescence or developmental stages, of course, are different to those of younger children. But of it course. doesn't mean that they should have any less of um, a secure base or some scaffolding around what their needs are. It doesn't mean go, oh, we don't need to do so much here it's like we do need to do just as much but it just needs to look a bit different to what to what a younger child needs yeah and interestingly they talk about actually they want two people that that love the children so that they know that they're loved from two people um, when they're leaving care okay um i'm feeling a little bit challenged by that <laughs> i keep saying that word challenge. <laughs> yeah. um well you've just used the word love again which you oh which, yeah sorry which you completely disagree with <laughs> i no. don't disagree with love <laughs> i'm all for love <laughs> and it's about you know the, the old african proverb which is it takes a village to raise a child i yeah. wholly believe that and, and where that's... do they pluck the two things out? is that kind of a slightly kind of two you know two parents type or that's that's the bit i'm a bit like oh i wonder what that bit's about but actually yes let's get as many healthy safe people to care for and scaffold and offer that love how you know healthy love what that looks like yeah yeah i can't disagree with that yeah so part of the transforming care also is to have some kind of national body Okay, and we'll we'll talk about it. It's quite complicated. I don't quite understand it, (laughs) to be honest. But I'm not sure many people do as well. Maybe Josh doesn't either. Maybe. I don't know. I'm sure he would say that he does. Okay. But it's um, having this idea that we take away from local authorities and that's the way to tackle kind of big private companies. Oh, it sounds a bit like privatisation No, no, no. It's to try and get away from privatisation. Right. Making the market work so that local authorities have a better chance to be in the market so it's not saying let's get rid of the market it's saying let's give oh it um, sounds like another added layer of complexity of making stuff happen but mm, anyway uh, what okay, do well, i know we'll talk about, we'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about, you know a lot by the way thanks paul <laughs> the care experience loving relationships increasing the proportion of care leavers attending university very important maybe then they can go on to be the brightest and the best however what i would also like to say it's very important yeah i get that the brightest (laughs) and the best university etc what i would also like to say is that completely advocating for care leavers going to university but i also don't want to minimize that actually not going to university that you can still have a happy successful safe life it does not also require further education etc 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 they have actually talked about that in terms of new well-paid jobs and apprenticeships for care leavers okay so I quite like all this but stuff, actually. Yes. It kind of gets me a little bit excited about this. Um, tackling care experience homelessness. Yep. It's great that we start talking about that. Increasing life expectancy of care experience people. Now, this bit is the controversial bit. Okay. R- uh, Realising the potential of the workforce. Setting out a career development frameworks and addressing pay disparities. Reducing reliance on agency workers. Whether we're just talking about uh, the impacts. So the, uh, are we addressing the symptoms Mm-hmm. of difficulties in terms of recruitment intention by saying let's get rid of 
agency workers and we've we've all worked with agency workers uh cutting back on bureaucracy increasing resources for direct work with families developing the wider social care workforce defining skills needed by family support workers supporting development there's stuff around um getting rid of an independent reviewing officers i've heard about that because mm. you know i know some some excellent iros who are very good at their job so yeah. i'm really curious to know what the alternative looks like if we don't have iros yeah and for me iros i know some excellent iros i know that some that used to really really annoy me but I think that's a good thing actually because they used to as a social worker you're not saying personally (laughs) well some some may okay but as a social worker worker, because I've sat in reviews where we where IRAs have given social workers 20 things to do and to do it quite quickly and social workers come away going wow suddenly I've been given so much more work that's true and I feel kind of not supported now in being able to deliver and and, and execute this work so there is that the IRAs but I think it's good that they push people as well I think so, yeah. Well, they need, yes, again, it's that kind of... Um, How we do rather than what just what we do. Yeah, and, and their focus on, on the child's needs yes. is, is, is great. Okay, a system focused on children and families. So the system-wide barriers uh, to achieve the aims of the review. So this is kind of nice. This is kind of good. Mm-hmm. Talking, okay, we don't talk about austerity. But establishing a, a national children's social care framework, so that's what we just talked about. Um, strengthening multi-agency worker. Great. If you look at serious case reviews, improving national government leadership. Now, part of that leadership is thinking that or requesting rather that social work academics, lecturers, social work leaders do. I think it's 100 hours of social work practice. Right. So we'll think about that, whether, you know, mandating that. You've got any thoughts on that? I'm not going to give them now. I'm, well, I, I tell you what I am thinking is, I'm like, I'm thinking we've got a lot to get through next, we do, next we do. time we yeah. meet, Paul, yeah. but it's all right, we're going to do it. Okay, improving inspection and inter- intervention. And the last thing, just to say this, is about implementation. So what they're requesting, what they need. Mm-hmm. So steps to achieving these reforms include a single five-year reform programme, mm-hmm. 2.6 billion new spending over four years, mm-hmm an oversight from the Secretary of State for Education, who will be responsible for holding others to account and reporting annually. Okay. We have reached the end... We have. ...of our second episode... Yep, yep. ...of Sarah and Paul do do social work. We do, do. We do do social work, and it's been incredibly interesting today, and... I found bits, I found kind of like, I found found myself getting really engaged with the conversations we've had today. And I look forward to speaking with you again. Um, I can't wait for next time. I think it's going to be great. So thank you. And thank you very much for getting through and listening again. Um, Listening with us, listening to us talk about it. And I guess I just want to add... Oh, yeah, go on. If I can. Of course. Again, a massive thank you to the, to people that have listened. And also just welcome people's comments because it's always, you know, it's important, isn't it, in hearing and how we're being received, really, what's helpful, what people want to hear more of. Yeah. And, yeah, I've enjoyed today. I'm looking forward to, to meeting with you again next time, Paul. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>